Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether, and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. All right, y'all, here's the deal. Go Wild has partnered with us here at Southern Ground Hunting to make life a whole lot easier for you guys. So I get a lot of questions um, on social media, uh, on YouTube, and things like that about the gear that I use. We are extremely excited to announce that we're going to be working with Go Wild to make it easy for you to see a complete list of the gear that we use here at Southern Ground Hunting. So all you have to do is you have to go download Go Wild. It's a free social media app. Um, and it's a community for hunters where I have put together a list of all of the gear that I use. All you have to do is look up Parker McDonald once you create your account. Go Wild is also just a fun place to hang out and chat with other hunters, other outdoorsmen. You can find tips and you can actually buy all of this gear through Go Wild. And actually you can get a, a 10% discount if you use the code all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground when you purchase there at Go Wild. So join me hundreds of thousands of other hunters on go wild the download link is in the show notes and you can find it there again that's all lowercase all one word southern ground and that will save you 10 percent off of your gear purchases on the go wild hunting app the southern ground hunting podcast is brought to you by spartan forge it's forged in combat and tailored for hunters Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. Wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, joined by my dear friend and uh, fellow Alabama deer hunting fool. Fool. Deer hunting fool. Which I can't wait for it to get here. We were a part of the bearded brethren. I know. I saw. I won't go comment. You, you, I you, just you letting the stash come on though. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, I, you know. I kind of <clears throat> got a wild hair. No pun intended. And whenever I got home from North Dakota, I was like, something got to change. Yeah. I'm, I'm growing my hair out too, on top of my head. Yeah. And so, I, t- I told my wife, I was like, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm an adult. <laughs> I can do what I want. I'm 30 years old. I'm an adult. <laughs> no. Uh, I told her, I was like, at some point, my hair is going to start going away, yeah. and I'm not going to have any more, so I need to just go ahead and just grow it out just one time, just to see what it's like. Just one time. And if I like it, then great. If I don't like it, then oh, that's great, speaking, too. Speaking of you being grown up, um, I'm going to throw out a number <laughs> for you, and I want to give you, I want you to like the first answer that pops your mind it's a gambling question okay, okay. uh what right. do i win you, uh, i need to know what i stand to win here have you seen no country for old men yeah <laughs> flip a coin flip a coin <clears throat> over under okay okay i'm gonna put the over under at 21 okay over under 21 
number of gas station pizza slices you eat this deer season. Oh. You want the over or the under? It's going to be over. Because I plan yeah. to hunt over 21 times. <laughs> so, statistically, I get a slice of gas station pizza every time I hunt. Uh, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, letting yourself go and wild hair and, you know, all, like, yeah. all that stuff. Because, I mean, it's, 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 it's hunting season for... Well, I mean, it's not it hadn't opened here in Alabama, and it's getting ready to open in Tennessee at the end of this month. But some of uh, some of the guys have been hunting. I know uh, South Carolina, parts of Florida, have been hunting for almost sure, a month now. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, and you got Kentucky that opened now. <clears throat> Kentucky you got opened, um, obviously North Dakota, which yep. is where I was at. Uh, Nebraska, Idaho. Yeah, guys, it's hard to beat a good gas station that has a good hot bar. You know what Bro. I'm saying? And in the Midwest, they have this place called Casey's. Casey's is. Have you ever had yes. Casey's? So Casey's Pizza outdoes like every pizza ever. It's just good. There might be fighting words, man. Because <laughs> Hunt's Brothers down here in the South. You know uh, what I'm saying? I don't know. It just, I don't know. It seems like Hunt's Brothers, it can depend on who's working the gas station that day. That's true. Because Hunt's Brothers, you got a real good chance of getting two-day-old pizza. Whereas Casey's, you're pretty much going to get fresh pizza. <laughs> Guys, we will try to put on the a forum page uh, our favorite gas station snacks, but uh, let us know which one yours is. And, uh, you know so bad? Like, everybody knows, everybody knows that gas station food is like, a staple for deer hunters. Like, uh, yeah. Nobody's trying to, not, trying to deny that. Like, I no. don't, I don't, I, I don't eat gas station pizza. Everybody eats gas station food. What was that? That was my son. Was that a child? That was my son. Yeah, that's my child. Yeah. Child just came in here. Yeah, we're down. At, yeah, we're down here in the basement trying to get away from everybody, and that's what happens when you just you know you, when you just want to cuddle, but your wife wants more. You know, you have have more. So you have more children. So no, my my big gas station deal is Little Debbie's. Little Debbie's I are love good. Little Debbie's. So, but all right. So Parker killed a deer. Yeah, killed a deer. Not about just it killed last a deer. Week. Talked about it last week. Threw it on top of a Chevy Spark. Yep. Which was probably one of my all-time favorite hunting pictures. <laughs> like you, that, you know, the footage is just—it was good stuff. So man. the only thing that would have made it better is if it was a bigger deer, but it really wouldn't have made it that much better. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah, I'm a sucker for pictures. Like, I—I yeah. I do a lot of things because the picture is going to be good. Yeah. And so whenever. I, I got this car and they told me they so they originally told me it was going to be a Mitsubishi Mirage, right? Which is like I think even smaller than a Chevy Spark, <laughs> and apparently it's like the cheapest car you can buy new these days. I don't I don't know like the truth behind that, but that's what they that's what somebody told me is like the cheapest car. So I started getting these ideas popping in my head. I'm like, hmm, what if I put it on top? That'd be a really cool picture. <laughs> And so, uh, no, it was... No, I did. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what it I did. It was awesome. So it became all about the picture for me. And then, like, the, uh, you, you know, killing a big deer is fun. I like killing big deer. I like killing deer, period. Um, and with the way that trip kind of took a turn, because mm-hmm. all summer long, or not all summer, ever since Greg called me about going and hunting their, this lease property... Yeah. I've been jacked up about like killing big, huge bucks right. on this private lane because I know they're out there. Right. And so I never want, I, when I left my house to go to the airport, never once did I think, you're going to come home with four point. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the thing that I thought in my no, it's, head. It's not like I thought. It just, it just wasn't. It, it, it never even crossed my mind. And um, But crazy, trips take a turn, take weird turns when you're doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy, you know, like a lot of people probably listen to this and, uh, I, I like to, I, I really enjoy, uh, a storyline that has a, um, a, a conflict mm-hmm. and then a resolution. Right. Right. That's, I mean, that's just good story writing. Right. It's good movies have a good right. conflict and a good resolution. I mean, all this stuff. And so. Sometimes the resolution isn't what we like anticipate anticipated, mm-hmm. but it can still be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Somebody uh, put on a Facebook group today. Um, it was Clay Clay Harper, I think is his last name. Uh, asked 
is your most memorable memorable deer your biggest deer mm-hmm. your most memorable hunt your biggest deer right for me it's not anywhere close right you know i like to kill big deer i've killed several of them and it's it's fun you know and right. that's what i'm there for but it um, without a doubt the most memorable hunts for me are yeah yeah are the smaller ones and and maybe it's because like and a lot of times i'll settle for a smaller deer because the storyline's good. Right. You know, and that just kind of yeah. put the icing on the cake. Now, so. you, you were kind of teasing me a little bit when, when I first got here with some, showed me some clips, and then the scenery looked beautiful out there. I mean, it just looked awesome. And, I mean, even your Instagram posts and all, I mean, it, it looked incredible. But it also seemed like you were hunting. It was it was a very diverse trip, too, like when it comes to, like, yeah. what you hunted, which, which I thought was interesting because – you know, I mean, I, I don't just from seeing videos. You, you you think mostly open, and then maybe some cottonwood draws. You mm-hmm. know, um, but you're you actually had a little bit more than that, didn't you? Yeah, and it really just depended on where I was at. Um, there were some parts that I was hunting that were uh, like the lease land mm-hmm. that we were hunting. It was like all fields, right? So you just have cornfield, soybean field, cornfield, soybean field, right. like just. All, if you looked at a map, you'd be like, there's no deer here. Right. Um, but in within those fields, there was like uh, cattail marshes and mm-hmm. things like that. You'd see, I think they, they call them potholes. Mm-hmm. And there's a pond with cattails mm-hmm. growing all around it. And that's 100% of the deer that I saw on that property, I believe. I, I think it was 100% of them. Uh, came off of those cattails. That's hmm. where they were just all living. And when yeah. they hit those cattails, dude, they just disappeared. Yeah. Um, I had one deer. I don't know if it was a buck or a doe, but it was the first day that I sat on some public land that was around the lease. Mm-hmm. And this little spot, it was just a tiny clump of trees that looked really good on a map. And I was like, I'm just going to go check that out and right. see where it is, see what it's like. And uh, it was there was two different ponds and tons of cattails. And that deer came straight up out of those cattails, um, caught my ground scent, caught where I walked in at, and ran away when I saw it. But when it ran away, it hit those cattails, dude, and it was like... Gone. Poof. Yeah. I never saw it again. Yeah. I walked out that way, never heard a sound, hmm. never like... It, it was just like they just crawl under a hole in, in yeah. the cattails and disappear. <laughs> um, but it was... That's that's it's really interesting because it's hard to find a place to hunt when that's where the deer are living, mm-hmm. um, I, and I I think part of the reason why we were more unsuccessful on the private land is because most of those deer were in those cattails. We were there trying to get we were getting content for tethered right, mm-hmm. like we're trying to get saddle hunting right. videos right? right. There's very few places that you can saddle hunt right on this property. There's these things called shelter belts, mm-hmm. uh, which are just long stretches of woods and stuff. And um, you can get a saddle in most of those trees. It's usually cottonwoods. Right. So you can get saddles into those trees, and that's where we had most of the sites set up at, most of the corn piles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And we were getting pictures of bucks on these corn piles, but it was all at night. At night, yeah. Jared Schaefer went out, and he was hunting from the ground, and... Uh, after the first first or second night, he decided he was going to hunt from the ground because he saw a whole bunch of bucks moving around. He ended up having encounters with, hmm. I, I, I mean, double-digit type numbers of bucks yeah. each night because he was just hunting from the ground and watching these cattail marshes, and these deer would get up in those marshes, and you would have never seen them if you were sitting in one of the saddle trees. Hmm. You'd have never seen them because they were just, I mean, and it was it was just like that little trip. It made it really hard to hunt. Made it more hard to hunt if you're trying to self-film. Right. Um, if you had a camera guy like Jared did, you're able to put yourself in those t- type of si- situations. And yeah. I just couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't do that. But going back to what you said, I mean, um, you've lived in Texas. I've lived in Texas. You know how Texas has a whole bunch of different habitat types. Yeah. You got the hill country. You've got the piney woods. Right. You got the desert. <laughs> um, you've got the plains. Yeah. Uh, and then you got the South Texas brush country. And that was kind of how this was, except it was a smaller area. It was like, um, so just to give you an example, on the on the lease land, we hunted that wide open field type land. Uh, the first public land area I went to, um, 
was, well, I guess it would have been the first one. It was one of the ones uh, before I actually got the car and went to the larger public land. But it looked more like you were out, like, out, like, like way west. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was, it was steeper, a little bit steeper, not so much crops as there were um, just open fields and mm-hmm. plains. And then some, some steep draws they called uh, coolies. It, it, you know what? It looked more like Nebraska than, yeah. than it did. Huh parts of of north dakota and so uh set up on a couple spots there and uh saw some deer uh but then when i moved to the bigger public area Mm -hmm. first place we went to was a river bottom and it was more of your classic like what you think about when you think of it, it didn't feel like north dakota it felt more like i don't i don't know of somewhere that I could compare it to, it was Alabama type woods. Yeah, it did. It, you know what? It looked like Kentucky. Yeah, looked a lot like Kentucky. Yeah, and um, a little more open woods than what we would have here. Our woods are did a little you, thicker. Did you hunt it like Kentucky then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did? yeah, yeah. But the the thing about that that area was, um, the public piece that it was ag land, so there was crops around. Just mm-hmm. but there was this river bottom running through, and um, this poet public area was not very big and and this river made it created a lot of pinch points and funnels and so like there was probably six different pinch points Mm -hmm. along that basically that where the river pinched down the the wood line to you know 40 yards wide yeah and so that's where i set up and that was where the trails kind of went right um and so that's what you know for this podcast episode i think there's a lot of things that I was able to take away from North Dakota from just hunting different types of property mm-hmm. and different terrain types. There's a lot of things that I took away from that that I can use in other places. Yeah. You know, we talk about it a lot, deer, deer. And a lot of times they'll do the same thing whether you're in Alabama or Michigan. Right. You know, they're going to do a lot of the same things. But there are there are differences in what each vegetation type offers or or whatever but like river bottom type country i can think of all kinds of tva land here in alabama and up and and not even just tva just tennessee public land right because a lot of their public land is based around water yeah and so that river bottom type stuff Mm -hmm. really seemed to it could very easily match up with that kind of property so did you did you find yourself having to be flexible I mean, in the in the sense of like, it, it what it sounds like is that if you were married to one way of hunting, then you, you might not have been as as successful as what someone else could have been. That was kind of looked at it as, hey, this this type of this public land calls for this type of, of way to hunt. You know, this public land, this private land. So did did you find yourself looking at maps and going, okay, I have to hunt it this way because this is what the terrain offers me. So, yes and no. In a perfect world, I either am not filming or I have somebody running camera right. for me. Right. There were so many places that I found that no doubt had deer right. on them. But I could not self-film right. in those areas. So, yes, I had to be flexible and I wanted to be more flexible but I just couldn't be as flexible as what I wanted to be. Right. That was that was a hard. This a hard thing to, because most people listening to this probably are not filming. Right. And so even though there's a large that that's growing. I mean, there seems is to be growing. a lot more guys wanting to. Even if it's just getting like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I know Fourth Era just came out with a really, I mean, stable but cheap, you know, arm. It's ninety nine bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that and you get your, you know your iPhone and you can, you can film, you know, yeah, so I, I, mean, know I know there's a lot of guys getting into it too. Your iPhone is more, is a better camera than the cameras that were being used for TV six or seven years ago. Right. You know, it's, like yeah, 4k, so I mean, good. you know, um, and so, so I know there's a lot of guys that, that don't self film, but then there, there are some that do, you know? And so, um, and, and there's a lot of people who self film whenever they can. Right. And, don't whenever it's not whenever they can right. in an area 
for me, I'm all the way up there, and I'm hunting because I love it because it's right. fun. But I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get video content. You know, right. I want I want to share these experiences and stuff like that. And beside the fact, I mean, this was a tethered hunt, so right. I'm trying to get film for tethered right. too. Right. And so, um, but so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of area there that you really had to be flexible with in the same way i find here some way that you can relate it to southern hunting Mm -hmm. a lot of times the deer that you're gonna find so in alabama and georgia um and maybe tennessee i haven't seen it as much in tennessee but uh definitely alabama georgia i would imagine mississippi has a Mm -hmm. lot of this but you have those those clear cuts, mm-hmm. cutovers, areas that are just nasty and thick yeah. and don't have anywhere that you can get up in a tree. Right. You've got places on your club that mm-hmm. are this way where you have to hunt from the ground. You have to. And because there's no way you're getting elevated enough to be able to to do any any damage. No, and and for the times that that I can get elevated, you're talking about at max a 12-yard shot with with mm-hmm. a bow, you know what I'm saying? So like they're going they're gonna be right on top of you. Yeah. In in those clear cuts normally. But that's where they live. That's where they live. So so you've got to learn to be flexible. I think honestly, I mean, that was such a great question because I think that that was what my whole North Dakota trip was all about, was mm-hmm. being just trying to be as flexible as I could mm-hmm. and and maybe do things a little more different. Yeah. You know, even yeah. the even the terrain mm-hmm. out there, like the areas that had terrain, the deer didn't use that terrain the same way that they used terrain out here. Which is weird really? to me. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, a lot of the deer, um, you know, out here, a lot of the deer will be down, like, I'm not talking about river bottoms. I'm talking more <laughs> about, like, steep draws and, like, uh, like more of what we would call a creek type. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to the bottom of a holler. Creeks and drainages and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it didn't seem, uh, it, there was a lot more deer activity and deer sign on the tops of the, of the long ridges. A lot more than there are out here, hmm. and uh, I was actually talking to a local guy up there, and he said he said a lot of the deer don't hang out in the bottoms, and and I don't know I don't know why I don't know what the what the reasoning is. I'd imagine they navigate the the hillsides the same way our deer do down here, but yeah. he just said that and I, and the 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 sign oh. definitely backed that up. Okay, so a couple questions with that because that that's interesting. Do you? Do you think they use that for wind-based bedding, though? Still, like, like, like the hillsides. Oh, dude, yeah, they do. Cause, okay. Um, and and the, here's another crazy thing. So out here, are in Alabama, our wind swirls a lot, right? right? You right. get in the ridges. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna say out here in Alabama. Probably anywhere there's terrain. Yeah. You know, any type of <laughs> varying terrain. Yeah. You get that kind of stuff, and um, the wind just. And I learned something. So the last day, the day that I ended up shooting shooting that buck, uh, I bumped a big deer off mm-hmm. of a bed, and the bed was not wind based for the actual wind for the wind because it was a straight like I want to say it was like a wind coming out of the northwest, mm-hmm. and that deer was actually faced northwest, so that the wind was in his face was in his face. But when I got down there to where he was at the wind was swirling so bad in there i dropped milkweed and the wind was actually at his back the That's... wind was coming out of the southeast hmm. because of the way that it hit the way that wind went over yeah over that drainage and it just like he was in the right spot where it just came back and was it was so crazy cuz they're but, definitely not lazy you no. know what i'm saying like they they're not just going no that, he, that's really he wasn't, cool that's he really was cool. he was bedding in a way that in in a bulletproof yeah spot no matter which way you were to come at him he was going to smell you yeah i mean and that was and that was or see you yeah and that was huh. pretty crazy to think about and i think i hear a lot of guys get frustrated out here in, in the southeast because they say oh well the the hunting bee stuff doesn't work the top third stuff doesn't work and blah 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 and and i totally disagree yeah with that and, and i think a lot of it is just because you start getting into hill country that is like actual hill country. Mm-hmm. The wind just does what it wants. Yeah, 
you know. Yeah. Jamie McKay talked mm-hmm. about before about he doesn't care about which way Michael it says Perry, the wind's going to go. Care. Yeah, I mean, guys, guys have been very successful on public land around here. Um, they they just they just go and set up. And, yeah. Um, and which is, which I mean, if you think about it, it's the it's a really interesting way to hunt in the sense of like, how many times have you talked yourself out of a killer spot? You know, um, I was I was watching a, a video today. You know, of a guy that did that, mm-hmm. um, and um, and pulls up to his property. I mean, you were talking about about him earlier. And yeah, Tyler. His, yeah, Tyler. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, a killer video. Um, yeah, super solid. Yeah, man, I'm. I, I keep getting blown away by the guys at the Element, Tyler super and KC. Solid. They're they're crushing it and killing big deer, putting out good solid podcasts and good videos, man. <laughs> it it's it was really one. cool though on on his last video because uh, it's 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 a private piece. He pulls up to it. It's his own it's his own property. He pulls up to it, and he was like, I should have gone hunting this morning, but I talked myself out of it, you know, because because of the wind. And he has like three, and one was a giant i mean he is a stud but how many times have you and i talked ourselves out of spots where we're just like or, or we overthink a spot we're like no we're not going to do it because you know and and if if we just got in there and just dropped milkweed and if it, if it works it works but also like there's a good chance another deer's gonna come by too from a different direction you know don't you think there's a balance though that you have to have i mean like two podcasts ago i think <laughs> i was talking about how one of the greatest things that I did last year was not going in on a bad wind. Yeah. I I think there is a balance, but I also think, too, and I kind of relate it to duck hunting, there are some mornings where the ducks just won't be in the hole. You ain't got to throw a decoy out. You ain't, you ain't got to hit, hit a duck call. They just want to be there. And I think I think I have nothing to back it up, just, just a theory, you know, just my own opinion. I think there's some mornings that the deer movement is going to be good enough where – you can go sit and, you know, it's just the mornings everything comes together and you're just like, yeah, this is a killing morning. But on the flip side of that, I mean, you both agree. We we were a lot more patient last year um, and proofs in the pudding, you know, uh, with the number of bucks we killed and um, not trying to brag or anything, but we both thought all of our tags. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm mean, not trying to brag or anything. I mean, I'm I mean, trying to brag. But I mean, that, I, don't I know mean all three you, of mine, I mean, you know, wouldn't break know the number 20. Noticed. So, um, you know, <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed or anything. But, uh, but so, yeah, I, but I do think they're, and, and just to be honest too, man, you know, job, three kids, sometimes I don't, I don't got a choice. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's Friday or Saturday, and I and I and I can go, sometimes I don't even look at the wind for that reason because I'm like I don't even want to get discouraged because this is the only time that I can go this week. You know, yeah. and you just gotta you just gotta go for it. You know, yeah. But now that is what makes mobile hunting so awesome. Is and me and my brother were talking about this on on, on the Tennessee hunt because um, he's wanting to get in the saddle hunt, but he's just not sure about it yet, and. Um, so we were talking about where we we're gonna go hunt, and I told him where I was going, and he's like, "Well, how? he goes, the wind's bad for that." I go, "Yeah, but I can make my own wind sometimes, you know, especially with a saddle or a mobile yeah. uh, um, lock on or whatever. You can make your own wind in some aspects of mm-hmm. it." And so, so that's why sometimes I don't even look at the wind before I walk in. I just because I'm like, "This is the only time I can go this week. I'm gonna make it happen," you know. Yeah. My other question with that is, um, we're talking about like the deer using the the tops of the of the um, draws out there. Do you think it's hunting pressure that doesn't force them down in there? Because here... That's a good point. You know, like, here, deer, well, at least on some of these, they walk around like they're getting shot at even when they're not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it could be. Their their bottoms are just different, too, just as far as, like, what they have in them. So I tried... I, yeah, I, I didn't think about the food aspect. Before yeah. I before I went, uh, before I heard this from the local and all this, uh, it was actually this... The, this it was my first sit. It was an evening sit right after I got the car. And uh, I went to a spot. The deer were all obviously hitting acorns. And I wanted to find somewhere that had yeah. them. I ended up finding a place that had way too many. And there was no way to determine whether or not they were coming there or not. <laughs> I mean, it was literally every tree was dropping acorns. So um, I was going to go and, and uh, just kind of get down in a ditch in one mm-hmm. of these drainages. And dude, I got down there, and there was, it was too thick. Like you couldn't. Yeah. Everything was up over your head. I found an elk bed, 
down there, which was pretty cool. Yeah. It was huge. It was gigantic. I, I hope it was an elk bed because if... If not, I hunted the wrong place. If it's, yeah, that's, that's right. But they were... I mean, it was just so tall. Yeah. Um, like saplings type stuff that was just so tall you couldn't even see over it. And then it got down, and I didn't realize that there was water in it, but later I heard a beaver slapping his tail. Yeah. And I think down in those bottoms, there's just a lot of, like, standing water. So I imagine the deer use it. I know they have to use it because it, I mean, the thick stuff, you know, they're they're down there at some point. But when I was down there, I wasn't seeing deer sign hardly at all. I found that big elk bed, and there was a few, like, little scarce yeah. tracks and stuff. But when I got to the tops, it was, like, freaking rubs yeah. and trails that you could just about drive a tractor down they were so wide i wonder like, if they use it seasonally too in the sense of like because i mean winter you would think it would drive them down in there because we're talking about a north dakota winter we ain't talking about like an alabama winter yeah you know so you saying? know i mean we were close to canada yeah you know it gets a lot of snow yeah you know that the wind blows like crazy um i would think you know here when you're in alabama high wind day the deer are going to try to get out of the wind right. so they're going to you know, be on that yeah. leeward side a lot of times if it's super windy, mm-hmm. just to be out of the wind. They're right. going to be down in the bottoms, or they're going to be in a wide open area where mm-hmm. it doesn't affect their hearing. Right. You know, where they don't have a bunch of leaves. Right. You know, blowing in the wind and stuff. And so, like, that's a. I mean, that's something I skip over. Like everybody should know it, but it is something that I've noticed here. Mm-hmm. Is high wind days, man. High wind on a good cutover can be freaking awesome. Amazing. Because it's so open. It, it It's not open. It's thick. Yeah. But it doesn't have all the noise of all the trees with their leaves blowing. Is it? Is there a wind where you look at it and go, that's too high? Because uh, I know for me, I like a good, man, if it's, if, it's a, if it's a solid 10 miles an hour blowing, man, I love days like that. Because I like, I like to sneak on days like that. Yeah, you can get away with a lot. I don't know, man. I don't know if there's... I mean, I've had a few days where I've been up in a tree and it's been blowing so hard you can't... It can be fun in a saddle. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm make being sarcastic. Butthole, make your butthole wink. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. It's not fun. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I've had those type of days, but... I mean, I, the only reason that I didn't enjoy that is just because it was hard to keep my balance up in the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't think that there's been days that I've ever just decided not to go hunt because wind was going to be too bad. Now, if it's winds bad and it's storming and it's raining and it's, oh, well, that's got to be pretty rough. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all right. On if if it starts lightning, I'm out. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in a tree. Well, you know, when you're kayaking too. Mm. The wind kind of sucks. Yeah, because you can't. Keep... You, yeah, and it can be it can be a little dangerous if it's dangerous if the wind's too high. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so like that spot that I was talking about, mm-hmm. there were obviously deer in there. Yeah, but there were so many acorns there that I could not find. Like it would take me a lot of time of scouting and walking to find where the hot sign. And was this at. was this was a a, a a shelter belt. No, this was just a. Just a draw? I mean, it was all woods right oh, okay. here. Yeah, it was. I walked in on a hayfield, and yeah. then you go down, and the the majority of the public land right there was just woods, and it mm. was oaks. Yeah. And I mean, Sounds like a lot around here. A lot of oaks. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, but it's different. Like, it looks different. Um, it wasn't like the big, tall, giant trees like we have out here. You know, we have tall, straight. You had pines and yeah. all that kind of stuff out there, like. Your tall trees would be more of your aspens and your cottonwoods. But out there, in that spot, there was none. It was all oaks. Hmm. I mean, literally, like, I don't think I saw another tree in that plot that was anything but oak. Yeah. Like it, So that made it a little, a little bit tough. Um, but so that determined, for me, what I was going to look for the next day, which was going to be my last day. Mm. I was going to look for isolated oaks. Right. Which we've heard that a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Isolated oaks. Isolated oaks just always seems to work in the early season, man. And um, especially, I I typically think that deer, even in ag country, once the acorns drop, they, as far as like hunting hours are concerned, mm-hmm. a good white oak tree that's dropping acorns can be the bomb. Well, I... 
Because they still got their cover. Funny that you say that, because I, I actually, on, on, on the Tennessee Velvet, um, I didn't find it until we were leaving. But I found a, it's not a creek crossing, it's just, it's it's old dried up creek bed. And, and they cross, and when they cross, they immediately come up a hill. And 30 yards from that crossing, right up top, there were two oak trees. But they were surrounded by other oak trees but these two were getting hammered i'm talking about it was the the ground was clear underneath the tracks everywhere holes everywhere but you look 30 yards over and and it wasn't that way yet you know um i don't know what makes certain oaks you know like of the same species i don't know what makes them for that couple weeks or couple months whatever draw to that i don't know but I think it was I mean, very evident, and I'm like, dude, I, I should have been hunting here. You know, I, I, I just found it too late. I think a lot of I've heard a lot of people talk about this, and a lot of it has to do with like the acidity of the of that specific right. tree that year. Right. So some of them are really acidic, which is good because they'll preserve right. longer on the ground. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. This week we were supposed to be recording a. Uh, an episode all about um, feed trees mm-hmm. with Mr. Warren Woman. Acorns. Yep, acorns. Acorns. And uh, and Which he we got will. he got he come down with sickness and uh, down with the sickness. Down oh, with wow. sickness. Um, he uh, he got sick and and wasn't able to to record with us this week. So hopefully we're going to be able to get that next week. And that's kind of what spurred this conversation into mm-hmm. uh, you know just kind of thinking about it because. Alabama and the South, and and maybe it's everywhere, honestly. It, it's probably everywhere. Right. Um, I mean, if it's up in North Dakota, then you're going to see it in most places. Uh, I didn't the, see it a lot in Texas. But then again, I didn't. Yeah, in Texas, you're, you're hunting the golden acres. Yeah, golden acres. Which are. The expensive golden the, acres. That grow in bags. They grow in bags. Um, which I have nothing against those. Yeah, I, I don't either. Sometimes they can be great. Sometimes they can be great, and sometimes they can... Not be great. Not be great, and then you feel like an idiot because you spent a whole lot of money on golden acorns that don't work. Yep. And so, yeah. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people deal with trying to find the hot feed trees. I think that's a, a thing that actually is pretty universal. It can work anywhere. Um, hot feed trees, same thing as like a hot dough. Mm-hmm. It just works. And, and so, you know, that kind of spurred this conversation, and I... I think we just wanted to kind of set up next week's episode mm-hmm. that we're, we're going to really try to get down to. Because I know if if you guys listening or anything like me and Drew, when we walk into the woods, especially in the early season, there's one thing in our on our radar, I think, and that's trying to find where the acorns are dropping yeah, and what where the deer are hitting it. I would even say, especially the early season, that is the number one thing. I know normally, Parker, I know me and you look for edges and, and transitions, you know, a lot. Early season, I'm just, look, honestly, I'm just, now, if you can find the acorns close to an edge. That's what I'm looking for. That's like, always. you know, stupid money, you know. Right, so it's the isolated ones. Right. That's that's why, or the it's, first it's not, ones. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. So, you, you really, have you ever been in a clear cut and there was like an SMZ? Mm-hmm. A stream stream management zone. Yeah. There's an SMZ going out, and on that SMZ, there's an oak tree. Mm-hmm. Just walk to it, and you'll see the sign. Yeah, I mean, it's the eyes, and and even that one, just it's and what I've seen. Maybe other people have differing differing opinions of this. What I've seen is those isolated oaks like that that aren't with all the other oaks when they're close to that thick bedding cover. It doesn't matter if they're as long as it's dropping acorns, they're gonna be there. If if you can if you can find that, and you have a way to, you, you have to. It's almost like shooting ducks in a barrel, man. I mean, in the sense of like you know you, you know that there's gonna a hit high it. percentage that there's gonna be deer there because we we have clear cuts and and you've been over to 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 our club. We we have clear cuts and on one of our clear cuts there's a there's a forty acre spot that's all oaks. It's just an oak bottom. That, that's all it is, and so that's both good and bad because there's food right there. So it's so in a sense it is bed to feed, but also since there's nothing but oaks there, 
there's 16,000 trails that they could come in on. Yeah. So, you you know, you're just like, if, if, if you're bow hunting, you're just like, okay, you know, flip a coin, you know? And so, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I would much rather have those isolated ones where I know, I'm like, okay, that's the only one that you, that they're coming to, you know? I'm, I'm also going to be interested to see this year, too, because we've had a ton of water this year. I'm talking about we have a lot. We, we had a lot more rain than I've, I've only lived here five years. This is the most rain we, we've had. And mm-hmm. at least that's what I think. I mean, meteorologists might tell me otherwise, but it, it seems like we've had a lot more rain. So I'm really interested to see what that does. I know that it'll help the deer overall, just from a um, herd health deal, but also horns. Normally on these years, we have bigger bucks that get killed just because of the water. But also what it's going to do for all the for the acorns and just for the rest of the browse, you know? Um, yeah. And so... But if you can find one like that in the middle of a clear cut, man, it, it's it's money. It's so money. this is where, you know, I think this this podcast and this episode and this conversation really becomes uh, relatable for everybody. Mm-hmm. Is isolated food, right? Right. So your oaks are seasonal, kind of. I mean, you have red oaks that are get hit late season. Yeah. But really, you get white oaks, and, and you hunt those, and you pretty yeah. much, a lot of times, you're hunting that type of way until the rut. Yeah. You know? Sometimes, in early season, you can get a, a persimmon that's still holding on, mm-hmm. you know, that, or, and even, I know some, some guys in, like, the Carolinas and stuff, they, since they start early, muscadines and, like, like scuppernins and stuff, man, if you can find, if you got a vine of them, too, you're they're they're, they're going to hit that early season too mm-hmm. and i've i've seen them walk clear across a corn pile to a persimmon tree and just mm-hmm. nail it you know yeah um they just like that in the in the, in the early season it's 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 but the it's thing unique. not the thing not to get so caught up on like i've hunted persimmons where obviously the deer were hitting it but not at daylight at all because it was just in the right. in the wide open it's gotta be close to something so it's like their their security is, is has much more effect on them than their taste buds. Right, and that's why I think like an isolated white oak that's in thick cover, in the middle of a clear cut, pretty much, mm-hmm. can be amazing because right. they never have to leave their security right. cover. There might be better acorns on the ground in the wide open, right? You know, creek bottom, right? But that one's gonna do until they right. Until it gets dark and yeah. they can go in there in the nighttime and and feed on it there and so um, anywhere there's oaks I found a lot of sign mm-hmm. always there's a lot of tracks you can tell it's getting a lot of traffic but there's really not a way to tell if it's daylight activity unless you got a camera up on right. it and so and and I would venture to say probably ninety percent of it is nighttime activity. Mm-hmm. But the way that you can increase your odds in daylight movement is to find those isolated spots. So right. um moving back to North Dakota, that was the thing that I started looking for was those isolated isolated acres. So you took the south up to North Dakota is what yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. I mean and I don't think I don't really think that I took the south I just I think it's really good for everybody. To I know, do that, I, I, I just like saying you took the South up, and uh, you know, like it's we like because we gonna we gonna know, rise again. You gonna rise again. You know, the SEC, you know, went up <laughs> went up to the Northwest, you know, and um, and so, uh, yeah. But I mean, it really you find, I found, in that area where that buck was betting at. So after I bumped him, I backed out, went back that evening and I was going to circle around basically the way mm-hmm. that he came in. I told him on the podcast last week, but stepped my foot in the woods and he was gone. Right. Just, just gone. <laughs> um, he got up and ran off again. So as I'm walking through there, I'm finding good. I mean, there's a lot of sign. Yeah. I mean, a freak ton of sign. Yeah. And there's a lot of acorns dropping in there and stuff. Um, not nearly like the other place. I mean, it was kind of a mixture of cottonwood. Right. Aspen, right? Some oaks that were dropping, and you could tell when you got into the oaks because you'd all of a sudden see this, this <laughs> ground tore up, and you'd look up, and I go, oh, "There it is." So um, I basically got all the way to where he was bedded at originally, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there was not as many oaks in there. Like 
There wasn't many, but there was one. Right. Right? And it was right behind me, and it was dropping. Yeah. I mean, all evening long. Yeah. Was hearing it drop. And long story short, didn't kill that buck, killed another buck that came out at like dang five o'clock, which was early. This is the earliest I'd seen a deer move since I got there. And um, and I think a lot of it had to do Mm -hmm. with, you know, it, it was it was right there close to where I think these the deer are on their feet. Yeah. In the daylight. Right. I think most deer are. I mean, you can watch. Uh, so I was watching um, the hunting Publix video mm-hmm. from Wyoming. Yeah. Basically that same week, when they get up on those big glassing knobs, and they're looking down into those yeah. bottoms and glassing deer, every single day there's deer. Those bucks are moving in the daylight. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're just staying bedded until it's right until it's yeah, dark. dark. Yeah, they're moving somewhere. You yeah. just got to figure out where they're moving at and why they're moving there. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that was encouraging for me to see, um, which is not anything that I didn't know, but it is encouraging to right. see, especially after spending, what, like five days hunting over a corn pile and not seeing any, seeing anything. It's easy to say, well, deer just aren't moving. No, they're moving somewhere. They're just not getting there yet. Right. Right. So you got to figure those things out. And so or that's they're not kinda... coming to it at all. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I mean, true. you know, in, in the sense of they, they might not prefer corn right now you know um that that's the same way where if you have corn on one side and beans they're they're on the other you see you see a crap ton of of deer in the beans but hardly any in the corn you're just like now that's deer deer eat corn 100 mm-hmm. percent right but not right now they prefer soybeans you mm-hmm. know and so um but i think i've been guilty of this a lot especially growing up you know in like just being okay. I'm just going to pour corn out, or I'm going to hunt over this this particular food source, and and I know it's going to happen, and I'm just like bullheaded about it. Like I'm going to make it happen here, you know. Well, the whole time I'm like, I'm going to make it happen here, you know. Deer's getting up over there, and I'm like, well, I'm just waiting for him to come over here. I'm like, no, why don't you just move over there, you know? Now I understand that, but when I was growing up, it was just like, no, I'm gonna, I'm just going to stick with this. I'm like, well, that's that's the definition of insanity, you yeah. know. And so. Um, so that, that was cool to see you. Um, I know it cause, it, cause we talked some, but also just follow on your Instagram just, just to see how you're like, all right, this, this isn't working. So let's go find something that is. And it, it was cool to see how, just like you said, deer are deer and tactics are tactics. No matter if you're in North Dakota or Alabama, you know, or New Jersey, it, tactics are tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true, man. It's, uh, there's. There's definitely something, and maybe that's a good that's a good title for the podcast is how to find how to find the most daylight active active deer or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, because yeah. I think deer are active. I, I really do believe that deer are active in the daylight. And like what you said, people get so stuck on, you know, well they're just not hitting the corn, yeah, right now or whatever. Or they're not hitting this food plot, or they're not hitting this gallberry bush, or whatever you're hunting you know mm-hmm. um yeah and, i mean there's a reason they call it a destination food source right right because that's the destination yeah when do you start your journey to the destination <laughs> yeah well before you get to your destination <laughs> right. most of the time right and so you know i mean if they're not if they're if you're getting all your corns eat up and yeah. you've got tracks all around your corn pile and stuff you know that there's deer coming to yeah. it but they're just not gonna they're not getting there until yeah. so you got to I think corn is a great thing because it can help you eliminate stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, so <laughs> you've got, if you've got corn on the ground somewhere, you've made that into a destination food source and a lot of deer are probably going to be at right. it at some point. And you can put your camera there and get inventory and all that kind of stuff. But then what you can do is say, okay, here's where my corn pile is. I've got a big buck coming in. Right. I see him on camera at 10 o'clock every day. Well, if he's there at 10 o'clock, where is he at eight o'clock? Well, which direction is he coming from? Right. And you just you can put those pieces together. It's not necessarily my style of hunting, but it is a it is a way to work. Right. You know. Right. Um, it worked on that buck I killed on that private land last mm-hmm. year. Um, I didn't really know I was hunting, but I was hunting the isolated oaks. Right. That's exactly what I was doing yeah. on that spot, and so. And and I think guys is also important too. Like it's early season. It's hard to kill a buck early season it is hard especially in the south and i say especially in the south because that's mainly where we hunt at so that's you know 
that's that's where we do our hunting. But I think anywhere, like um, it, it might be a little easier on some, you know, bed to feed type stuff, like mm-hmm. destination, like alfalfa and beans and stuff like that. But still, you still got to pick the right trail. I mean, you, you got to get within at, at least 40 yards of them, you know. So even if you go up to Kentucky, you can't just go, that's a bean field. I'm going to go sit on that bean field. And I'm going to kill a deer. Well, and how many, how many times, even when you have hunted those type of places, have you just watched a deer get up from its bed and walk straight to the destination food source? It's n- almost never. Like, they're they're going to find something else to browse on, yeah. to eat on, and a lot of times that's going to be their acorns. Yeah. And that's why oak trees can be, white oaks especially, but any type of mast-producing mm-hmm. tree can be really good. Yeah in the early season is because that's likely not their primary food source. Right. It's just where you're going to be able to find them in the daylight. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think we've, we've kind of talked that to, to pieces. My wife just texted me and said, the kids are getting fussy up there. Yeah. So, if you can't hear guys, the kids are definitely getting fussy. Yeah. There's, they're, they're outnumbered. The there's women five are outnumbered of them up there, up there right there. now. Two, two of them under the age of three. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so they're getting a little crazy. Yeah. So yeah. It's one of the things, just making deposits. <laughs> yeah. Making deposits. Yep. Deer season's almost here, y'all. I'm jacked up. So excited. Got to let the air out of one. And, uh... He'll taste good. Yes, he will. He'll eat fine. Eat fine. Um... We just want to shout out to Chevy if you want to sponsor Southern Ground. You yeah. Know, we're totally cool with that. Send us a spark. <laughs> send us a spark. If you want some cool drone pictures, send us a spark and we'll... <laughs> We'll make good. Let's drive around WMAs in Alabama. Like, I drove with Spark. I drove from North Dakota back to Alabama, <laughs> and for sixty bucks. And that's Biden gas too. So I mean, you know, twenty one dollars to fill up the tank on E. Shout out Chevy Spark, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I'll figure out a way to make stuff happen if I can make a trip to North Dakota for sixty bucks. We'll make with stuff all happen. your hunting gear. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's wrap this thing up, man. Let's do it. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.